Welcome to Mind Well, hosted by Michelle Jones. We are all about connecting with wellness professionals and individuals with unique perspectives about developing wholeness and well being. This podcast is designed to help you reconnect to your core self and find the resiliency, capability, and strength you already have. MindWell is sponsored by IntegrateTrauma.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of MindWell. On this podcast, we interview people who have remarkable perspectives on the power of making mindful connections. I'm your host, Michelle Jones, and I'm excited to be here with you today. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to Kathy Martinez and Mike Uhanick. Welcome, you guys. Hi. Hello. So both of these wellness professionals have been trained in multiple modalities for healing the body. And I have worked with both of them personally, and I knew that I wanted to share your work with our listeners. Because before I had worked with you, that wasn't something that I was familiar with, really, before we had started. So I thought, surely I'm not the only one who isn't really familiar with the work that you guys are doing. So you're probably going to, like add or kind of clarify some things, but I'm going to give it a go to describe what you guys do. So Kathy is a fascist stretch therapist and an instructor at the Stretch to Win Institute. And Mike is a craniosacral therapist and several other modality trainings under your belt, including Reiki, massage, and fascist stretch. Did I get kind of close, you guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay, so Kathy, is it okay if we start with you? Yeah, of course. Beautiful. So I just want for you to introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit about yourself and like what brought you to the work that you're doing today. Um, well, I'm Kathy Martinez with Empowering Bodies Wellness, and um, I started with personal training uh, 21 years ago. I opened right. up my business then. And um, all I really wanted to do was help people through exercise, and I knew how much it helped me. Um, Not only, you know, I never really achieved what people look at as having the greatest physique in the world is what people think, but it's really more about being healthy and moving well and just feeling stronger and empowered. So my concern with that was to make sure that my clients were able to get the best from that and to let go of what the mirror says or what people expect you to evolve to because a magazine said whatever. Um, we all come in different shapes and sizes and so I'm one of those people and I'm an everyday person. So um, it's just about trying to put your best foot forward and make the best of yourself. And I would imagine that's really hard for people mm-hmm. because it seems to me, and I could be really off, so you'll have to tell me because you have professional experience in this. It seems to me that a lot of people sort of jump in and begin maybe working with a personal trainer or jumping into some type of an exercise routine because they want to physically change their outward appearance. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Or am I just making a guess here? No. People, we all want to change our outward appearance, right? Because they think if we change our outward appearance, it's going to change our, how we feel inside. Right. And so they don't necessarily, they don't really coexist in a lot of times for a lot of us. And so when you're working on your, uh, your, when you're working on your outside appearance, if you will, and you start feeling stronger, you start letting go of the ideas that are out there that I have to have this certain type of physique to be strong and to be powerful as a woman. And so I think that what, what I was really out to set forth for clients is that 
I'm not fitting myself in this little fitness shell. I'm, I'm expanding myself and we're growing. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is to get, to have a paradigm shift with the way you think of yourself. Mm -hmm. And so, um, movement is key to life as far as I'm concerned. And, and for longevity, it's about movement. And so people letting go of those things helps them achieve a bigger, a bigger yield, if you will, your body starts to change a little bit, composition, you start really start seeing some stuff, you maybe lose a little bit of fat, maybe you lose a little, a little, little bit of this, a little bit of that, then you start delving into your diet and changing some of those things, and you have bigger effects, but one thing at a time, so sometimes it's more about movement than changing diet, because diet is obviously related for most of us, women mostly, I feel, that there's um, an emotional connection. Men have it too, but um, an emotional connection with food. Yeah. And so if we're not ready to make that jump away from it or to alter it, at least we can go to exercise. But then there's that fine line of defining, am I becoming obsessive compulsive? And where do we get those things? Right. So helping clients to discern and making sure that they understand they need to have relaxation involved with their, with their practices of exercise. So being able to educate clients with those kinds of things are super important because if they're already obsessive compulsive and I've got to exercise seven days a week, I'm at a point in my life where I was, I'm not that way anymore. I used to be that person. Okay. And then I realized I don't have to do that all the time. I'm killing myself and what for? Right. So now it's really just being more comfortable within your skin. And I also think that as we age, we start seeing what's really important and some of that stuff is not important and you waste a lot of your thoughts on stuff that takes up time when you have so much more to give that's coming from your heart. So focusing on those types of things yeah. aren't always the best for us, right? As far as the negativity that's related to yeah. image. Okay, so as you said that, I loved how you started with the word empowering mm -hmm. because I experienced that and I didn't... I, I, it's really interesting because I only recently made this connection, mm -hmm. but it brought it to my mind again as you were speaking. So I had kind of spent a lot of my childhood and, and adulthood thinking that I was really uncoordinated physically and not really sort of cap I like just not athletic. Mm -hmm. Maybe yeah. that's a good way to describe but, it, that mm -hmm. that was not going to be a natural strength of mine. Right. So I kind of avoided it because I felt awkward. Yeah. And when I was probably 37 years old, I started working with um, a functional fitness trainer mm -hmm. and really started to dive into exploring what my body was capable of. Mm -hmm. And I ended up being able to develop a lot of strength. I worked with strength training quite a bit in addition to mobility and mm -hmm. all kinds of other movement. And for the first time ever, I started to feel really confident in my body, mm -hmm. almost like my body is really capable. Mm -hmm. And I would encounter things like I'm going to Costco and like, no, I can lift all that into right. my car. Like, like I'm just really capable way exactly. more than I thought I was in my body. Mm -hmm. And why that really is so interesting is that it was after that, after I made that understanding and realization about what I'm capable of, that I was able to step in and do my trauma healing. And to me, that was a really powerful, like foundational step because Makes I sense. learned that I'm strong. Yeah. And I wasn't sure of that before. Mm -hmm. So that was a really powerful thing in my own life. I would think so. Um, I think that some of the training that Mike and I have done in the past, there were things that I learned. I was like, oh, I felt the same as you did, Michelle. I didn't feel like I was ever strong. I felt like I was just like, can't do stuff. I'm not, I'm not athletic. And I'm not one of those people. I'm one of these people, whatever that is. Right. And, you know, because you start labeling yourself because you feel shamed. 
Yeah. You know, you're not picked for a team, you're not this, because you're, you're not coordinated or whatever it is that we have already been labeled as children. And um, when you have the opportunity with some of the training we had, I was like, oh, I'm capable of doing this. Right. I wish they would have taught this to us when we were kids. A hundred percent. And if you think about it, it's just like learning language. Movements, you know, people try to go from sitting on the couch to doing these crazy athletic things they see on TV. Yes. But we haven't yet to learn the ABCs of movement. Yes. You know, when you mentioned mobility and things like that, if you don't know your body, how are you going to put this complex sentence, i.e. a big movement together? Yeah. If you don't know where you are in space or how my muscles function or where I am in space. Yeah. Which like seems really obvious. Like, well, of course I know that, but I realized that I didn't really know my body until I was really like guided Mm -hmm. through it because I just hadn't explored it before. I hadn't put myself in different positions or movements. Because it's almost terrifying in a way, right? Because you don't want to disappoint yourself either, right? Mm. Because there's Or feel dumb, shame yes yes you feel all those things and yet there's no one around to say any of those things that's but that's still in us that's already been given to us those that that vocabulary right still in our head so what I look at is changing that because I felt it too so it's like changing that for all of my clients because they are capable we're all athletes we're just different types of athletes Mm, we're all capable of movement you know and good movement I love that so much. I feel like in the work that we do with trauma healing, there's this overall preface that we are all capable and resilient mm-hmm. given the right access to support and resources. Exactly. Like like that's kind of an underlying principle of the work that I do. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing so many similarities that all of our bodies are good bodies mm-hmm. and all of our bodies are capable mm-hmm. of movement and of feeling empowered within mm-hmm. ourselves. Mm-hmm. But maybe we just haven't had the support and resources to know how to do it before. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so how did you go from personal training to the to work that you're stretch. doing today? Yeah. So with fascial stretch, um, quite frankly, it was looking at another way for me to help people. And I had studied stretching when I became a personal trainer and all that stuff, but it wasn't as effective or efficient. And so I knew other people that did fascial stretch. And I had been stretched by them, and I was like, what is this? You know, can I, is this something I could do as a trainer? And they're like, yeah, you can. So I went out, sought out who to go through the training. And I did that like in 2015. And I took all the courses within a year, and it just really changed my perspective. It helped me do some healing. Because while I'm working on people, there's healing going on with them. There's, there, I'm giving them a safe place to allow stuff to come out that's that's been trapped because they haven't talked about it and they've shoved it deep inside because that's what we do in order to survive. And so the more people I was able to get my hands on and I look at it every client, every session, whether repetitive client or not, they are always an opportunity for me to learn and it's always a healing experience for me. So I'm lucky enough to be chosen to work with people and they employ my services, and I always hope that it's a rewarding experience on their end as much as it is on mine, but as it's evolved from me training and becoming more of a fascial stretch, now it's more about integrating the two between clients. Yeah. And so getting them to get to a nice space to create movement with fascial stretch, and then moving them into functional training. Because I don't look, I don't do my training as I need you to be a bodybuilder and things like that. I need you to go to Costco and pick up that case of water. Right. Those are goals of my clients. Mm-hmm. Picking up grandkids. Those are goals of my clients. Well, let's figure out how we're going to do that. And so let's see what's most efficient. When you do it like this, 
this is what happens. Well, let's change the way you do it. Right. And it seems obvious, but it's not. But I say, well, I'm giving in a different thought style of thinking about it. That's it. Yeah. When I did my training, it was also a functional like approach. And I really valued that because it's so interesting because here I was like in my upper 30s. I'm married. Like I'm not out here to like go and win a competition somewhere. I just want to age well in my body. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And and partly I had seen older family members and I think it's so common as people age that there's some people who their life continues to get smaller and smaller because their movement becomes more and more yes. limited. And it really made me curious, like, is that inevitable? Because then I would see people that were not fitting in that and they were moving. So is that just genetics? Are they just the lucky ones? And so it made me really curious. And that was actually what motivated me to go and connect with this um, to kind of learn and be curious about my body. Um, in that way and you said something that I thought was really interesting you said that people um, that when you're working with clients you can feel that movement that like things will move and release that they're holding things in their body Mm -hmm. so I'm really interested to hear your perspective on that because as like a trauma educator and coach we understand that when we experience shock or trauma, that that isn't just something that is like a cognitive experience, right? Mm -hmm. We have this cognitive memory and thoughts and beliefs, Mm -hmm. but it's also emotional and physical. There's a lot of sensation that goes with it. So I know both of you, and I know, Mike, you haven't had a chance to introduce yourself yet, but I'm going to jump in and throw this question out for both of you, and then we'll get to your introduction. I'm just so excited to talk to you. I'm like (laughs) missing up the order, but we'll get there. Order's over. Yeah, or, <laughs> orders totally overrated. Let it unfold as a I am. I am totally glad you're with me on that. But I'm interested to see how have you seen that come to place. Like, how can you tell when people are holding something in their body or when something has shifted? Um, from my experience, um, when I feel tension, in a particular way that I'm stretching someone, because I'm looking at I'm stretching them in ranges of movement that mm-hmm. their body normally would move if they were upright, right? So you can take it into those passive ranges. Um, as you start to move, and people have divulged to you whatever on their health intake forms, and then while they're laying there, and you're like, wow, you're, you know, this area is really, I feel some tension right up in this area. You know, you're specific about it with them, and they're like, oh, you know what? I got ran over by a truck. Or I had a I had a something drop on my hip. Oh, well, that's kind of a big deal, you know. And they forget about these things, or as a result from the last time that you I saw you, Kathy, last time, and then I remembered that I actually had suffered um, this kind of trauma when I gave birth. Mm-hmm. And you know, so it may not be in the moment. But it may come later. And sometimes it's immediate and sometimes it's not. It just kind of, sometimes it's several sessions down the road. As the client becomes, feels safe with you in the environment you've created for them to let them talk or not talk, whatever it is that they desire. And um, when it's trapped in the tissue, um, obviously you feel tension, you feel that the tissue won't move, the body parts don't go to the direction that should naturally go. And so from those perspectives, you go into different areas or you do different things. You just kind of look at the body differently. Well, I'll go over here, far away from that's really being heavy. Because if you look at things as a fascial net, 
they are all interconnected, right? But okay. there's there's nets that we follow that if it's if it's bothering your ankle, it could be coming up from the armpit because it's the same kind of line as far as mm-hmm. what's happening. Right. So go to a different area Interesting. and work that. So you're looking at how the fascial nets are, and we look at those things from Tom Meyer's perspective of what he does with anatomy trains. And so you're looking at all of that, and you can go a different angle because you see that their rep, the respiratory is changes. Their mm-hmm. rate, their breathing gets heavier. Um, maybe they got more ap- rapid eye movement happening because they're starting to get a little bit nervous. Right. You know, um, it. I feel like it's a lot more prevalent when you're in the upper body when you're seeing a lot of those rapid eye movement and the breath changing. I don't necessarily notice the breath changing so much at lower body, mm-hmm. but when you come more like midline in the pelvis and things yes, too. Yes. Yes. You know, it's so interesting because it sounds like the body not only gives information to you guys as practitioners, but it also is giving information to the client yes. about their own body and what yes. it's experiencing. And they don't, they don't know what it is. Well, yeah, that's an interesting point because sometimes they're almost embarrassed or feel shame or whatever yes. about those autonomic signs yes. they're getting. And sometimes you have to just encourage something. It, they like their stomach gurgles. They get that borborgamus yeah. as they start to get more parasympathetically driven. Mm-hmm. And they think, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know what I ate. And, you know, you have to reassure them that, you know, it's, it's not. It's fine. It, yeah. Rest in <laughs> the rest and digest, right? Yes. 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 I always feel like I'm in, like, a good place in, like, a massage or any kind of movement if I hear my stomach gurgling. It's, yes, exactly. And it's and it's and it's probably because of my background mm-hmm. as yeah. a nurse, but I'm like yes. rest and digest. Yes. All right, body. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, so much of what we do is educating people, letting right. them know that they're sometimes with trauma or even just, you know, just long held patterns, you know, they um they need to realize that the body was protecting them and if it's time to let that go, it's okay. We're not forcing anything, you know? Yeah. And so some people, they just, they don't have the the resources, like you said, to know what's normal, what's not normal. Is this abnormal, you know? And they yeah. need to just be given support to go through wherever they're at in that process. I love how you said that the body was protecting them and continues to protect them. Mm-hmm. I think along with like that empowering thing that you talked about, I think one of the greatest things that people would could like recognize is that their body is like their best advocate yes you know what I mean it truly truly at least I see that in the work that I'm doing in trauma and I don't know if you guys see that in the work that you're doing but I just think your body is absolutely showing up for you and sharing with you all this information so that it can be healed and I know it feels uncomfortable but it's only sharing it with you so that you don't have to carry it anymore exactly yeah Yeah. and your body's with you your whole life so it's got a lot to tell you. Yeah. So and we choose to ignore it, right? Day in and day out, we choose to ignore it. I know it's jumping ahead, but one of the things that we've over the years, you know, it's always frustrated us how one of the big impediments to people's healing is that lack of internal body awareness, their lack of interoception. You know, not knowing what's going on. You know, their body's trying to tell them something, and they've learned to ignore that. You know, yes. mm-hmm. and so how to get people in their bodies, how to get them to listen to their bodies without browbeating their body. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's so, it's a challenge because everyone requires a different, well, not everyone, but most people need a different approach, you know? Yes. There's ways to do it physically, you know, um, with breathing, with breathing approaches, with weighted blankets, with, you know, doing different types of stimulation and sensory stimulus, but just knowing, that learning to be in themselves is 
always the challenge. (laughs) Okay, so Mike, now we're going to go back to the beginning. Okay. I want you to introduce yourself to our listeners, even though they've already heard some of your amazing insights, but I'm I'm interested to have our listeners get to know you just a little bit better and how you came to be doing the work that you're doing. Sure. Um, so I, I've taken a circuitous journey like most of us. Um, I grew up on the East Coast of the United States, so I was very uh, driven and type A and aggressive and over the top. <laughs> and... Uh, so I, I always knew I wanted to help people. I, when I graduated college, I, I thought I wanted to be a physical therapist, and I went to work in phys- outpatient, orthopedic, outpatient orthopedic physical therapy. And I realized then, even 20 years ago, that insurance ran that industry. People like myself who just graduated college would be seeing six, eight, ten patients while the therapists were all writing notes so, right. they, so they could get reimbursed. And um, so while I was there, I became a personal trainer, and I realized there was a big gap between those two, you know, mm-hmm. and um, just because, you know, just because you hit your, you know, therapy given goals doesn't mean that, you know, you can walk upright, but can you carry that water? You know, there's right. a huge gap to be filled there. Right. Um, I still was pursuing my aggressive concerns, too, because I was a college strength and conditioning coach. And then, um, as luck would have it, while we were taking continuing education uh, classes via this company called Z Health that does a... Um, applied neuroscience education I happened to meet this lady here and, uh, <laughs> and well that was a lucky day it was you know uh, God provides and we uh, <laughs> uh, we ended up falling in love and I moved cross country to Arizona here which couldn't be more polar opposite from living in the Washington DC area truly truly <laughs> different yes and you know in my youthful ignorance and hubris you know I assumed that chopping off my um you know, my location I've always lived, my family, my friends, my job. I can just chop off all those legs and I'll be fine next day. <laughs> that did not work out so well. <laughs> so there was a lot of struggle, which made me uh, deal with a lot of my deeply held stuff that I got past with aggression and baloney. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, um, one thing I learned when we were taking these classes in uh, applied neuroscience was that they had a course where we learned how to um, work with the skin in an applied exercise context. Meaning, if you look at the big the big loop of how the nervous system controls voluntary movement and postural control, it takes in input, sensory input, afferent inputs to the brain, and then it uh, it interprets that information, you know, it uh, processes it, makes a decision, and creates an output, a motor output. And so the skin's the biggest organ we have, right? So we have all these receptors that, um, you know, if they're not providing good input or we have the peripheral nerves that provide that input, if, they're, if they have issues or if just there's a processing issue, we're going to have a poor output. Output doesn't just have to be, I can't move my arm. It could be, I'm depressed. It could, you know, it's just... Interesting. Instead of just looking at the output, you know, ref, you know, um, working with beliefs and things, maybe you're just getting bad input too, you know? Hmm. Which is also ties into that same thing. Maybe we need to change our beliefs. But anyway, if, if we um, look at the uh, receptor deficit, maybe that will help change the output so that... You know, it's the same way you can reframe pain by shifting attention, you know, mm-hmm. reduce pain by changing your focus off that, that painful spot. If you can provide a different afferent input to the brain, you can change how you feel, how you move. So is that part of why touch is so important to us as humans? I mean, I feel I like so. yeah. I feel like as 
just people that touch is really important. It's something that's not like optional or no. bonus time. I actually think that it's really, I, I can feel the difference. Yeah, mm-hmm. you need it. E- even just in really simple ways. And yeah. it's part of, I mean, it's something that I love. And I don't know if this connects at all, but this is the random connection in my head. Oh. I think about when I connect with my husband at the end of a day or something, and when I hug him, I just feel total grounding in my body. That you're home. Yeah, that I'm home. Mm-hmm. And that that's not just that we're physically like in the same room, but literally that his arms are touching my skin and my body. And I can feel that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it changes how I feel internally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I, I, there's a lot to unpack there. It's, I, 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 I've experienced that too. I'm uh, very kinesthetic. Um, yes, I think that I think touch is essential. I mean, you look at all those unfortunate orphan studies where they showed what happens when you deprive newborn children of contact and it uh, stunts their development, you know? Um, I mean, I won't go into that polyvagal perspective, but yeah, it's it's, it's essential to life, I think, to to human companionship, to being a fulfilled human. trying to come back to the topic because I, I love I love rabbits. I know it's, it's <laughs> okay so I'm going to focus this for a second when I introduced you yep. I mentioned that you have connected to a couple of things that our listeners may not be familiar with okay. so maybe you could yep. explain what is craniosacral therapy mm-hmm. yep. and Reiki okay <clears throat> so it actually fits our, our narrative. Good job, Michelle. Thank you, uh, thank you. Because uh, in that same class where we learned how to use some of these different touch modalities, just the basics, um, one of the ones they used was craniosacral therapy. Um, and it, I took to it. It was very something that um, seemed very intuitive to me. So the, the basis of it, the, the, it's in the name. Cranio refers to the skull. Sacral is the bottom of the spine. Uh, so it's the it it's enco- encompasses the membranes that surround the spinal cord, the dura. Okay. And that the the flow of the spinal uh, cerebrospinal fluid as it fills the brain and it comes back down. Basically, it's a closed loop, you know. Yeah. And so I'm actually gonna tie it into fascia. Period. If I can. Um, oh my gosh! <laughs> it's almost as if we planned it, but we didn't. I know, right? It's just it's like magic. So. To, to back up and explain where it fits in the big picture. So Kathy was talking about fascia. Fascia, it's, it's hard to explain, right? The common analogy people use is think of an orange. Okay. Chop it in half, okay? So if you look at that chopped in half orange, you have the rind, which is like your skin, the white the white that's uh, inside, I'm sorry, the, you have the, the, the peel, which is the skin, you have the rind in there, that first layer of white, that's like your superficial fascia. If you were to take your finger and let it sink in your forearm until it just hits that first resistance, that's your superficial fascia. The orange itself would be your muscles, and then that, the white that's between those orange slices is the deeper fascia, okay? So if you were to cut out the orange, you could still tell that it was an orange, right? You could, because of that white layer, you could see just where that little orange was. You could still see its structure. You could see how squeezing it, it spreads the force around. So it's, you know, it's, uh, she mentioned, Kathy mentioned Tom Myers. They say, instead of thinking we have 600 muscles, think you have one big fascial bag that gives you shape, gives you structure, helps transfer force with 600 pockets for those muscles. Interesting. So that's why, you know, you roll the bottom of your foot and it makes your hamstrings looser because it's all connected. Okay, so I just want to make sure I'm understanding this yes, right. Ma'am. So if I'm taking apart an orange, usually to eat it, and mm-hmm. I take a segment of the orange out, mm-hmm. 
that kind of white part that's holding the all the part, juicy yes. goodness in there. That's what that's we would call the fascia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's carry on. That's I just wanted to make no, sure right. I understood yeah, what you were yeah, saying. Yeah, I was clear. So questions always tell me where I'm not clear. Um, so yeah, you have the superficial, you have the deeper, and if you there's lots of different types of fascia, but the four main ones are that superficial, that deep. The visceral around your organs that helps them glide and slide and, you know, uh, make sure that they're functioning properly. Then you have your your neural, your cranial fascia that runs along that spinal cord connecting your brain Mm. down there, okay? So when you look at it from that perspective, that's what Kathy and I do. We hit all those bases with the fascial stretch therapy. We get the deeper and the superficial with craniosacral therapy. We're trying to impact that cranial fascia. And uh, I also trained in some visceral manipulation. So we're trying to hit all those big areas because if you have a restriction anywhere, it's transferred throughout that orange. And so why does it matter what's going on with the fascia then? Because I think most people will think of like their muscles or that like juicy part of the orange as being the part maybe to pay attention to. And so tell me more about like what what will people notice if something isn't functioning well in the in the fascia or what is it what are you? it's 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 responsible it's basically a body stocking right yeah. it holds everything inside think of it like pantyhose it's okay. holding everything right and so um, that's usually what I use yeah you couldn't now. be upright without it um, <laughs> okay. it it runs to your body head to toe and it holds everything in place it's just a web of collagen that when it's it's responsible for um, elastic energy releasing transferring elastic energy so when it's it when it's impeded in some area or there's damage whether it's a sprain or something like that new collagen has to be formed right because the body is always remodeling your your fascia and your collagen right to and with those things it helps um um, when you've got the damage to it, the body has to figure out how to compensate different parts of it. So structurally, it changes. It has tensile force properties, and so it holds you in place. It stabilizes the body. It distributes force, and it can um, help amplify your motion. So it's responsible for lots of things in your body, and, and um, when it gets altered in any way, you start feeling some different changes. So the biggest clue would be muscle tension, right? Because that's how everybody relates to it. The muscles have been looked at and illustrated for over 500 years, Mm -hmm. but fascia has not. They used to cut the fascia out and call it medical waste. Yes. Interesting. Yes. With all dissections. Which is one of those things, like like it kind of brings to mind what we were talking about, about how our body is our best Mm -hmm. advocate. I mean, here our fascia is holding us upright, providing the structure, giving us the ability to do what we do, and most of us haven't even known that it existed or how to take care of it. Right, right. And it's, and it's, and it's uh, um, because of what it has to do, it, it's affected by our diet, lack of sleep, um, where, how we medicate ourselves, all of those things, it's affected by it. But I think dehydration is one of the biggest culprits of it because it gets more gooey and stuck together and it's supposed to have a nice movement, smooth movement. Mm. And when there's dehydration, bad diet, all of those things that are factored in, it becomes more sluggish and it can't move effectively. So then that will also contribute to bad movement patterns, right, over time. Because as you lose that range of motion, you think, oh, it's just age. Oh, it's just this, but I haven't suffered any real injuries. But these things are still happening to me and I don't know why. 
well, have you looked at your diet? Have you looked at how much do you drink water? Most people are horrible at drinking water. I was going to say, I think if anything, that is like super motivating to... Keep it hydrated. To like reignite Mm -hmm. the hydration like game because most, I think you're right, most people struggle just to hydrate their body, just that most essential component. And every minute that you are, since the fascia is constantly remodeling itself um, based on stress and load and pressures in the body and vibration... You are training it every minute that you sit around and watch TV and sitting around at your desk. And you're training it in those those things, those things that you're doing. So Because the ta- body adapts to yes. what you do. If you, yeah. if you want to sit in this poor posture, it'll help you maintain that posture. It'll easier. help you maintain that posture. So then when you try so to have So helpful better, of our body, it is, right? It's exactly. like, let's be efficient. Let's not waste energy. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, okay, so you don't really care about standing upright. Cool, right. we're not going to put energy into that. That's right. That's because so we interesting. Put someplace else, and that's what it does. It is, the body is so resilient and fantastic, and it really is our best advocate but we have never treated it that way. And we are educating our clients that in order to have some kind of longevity, and stuff happens, don't get me wrong, and there's things that we may not have necessarily have control, but you still have the opportunity, the body always has potential for change. You can always help it facilitate change. Which really is something that so many people I think particularly as we age, and I'm not even that old, I'm in my Mm mid-40s, but I think even starting in the next decade, right, when people start crossing 50 years old, it's almost like they kind of (laughs) think, well, no, but it's just like, it's just an interesting (laughs) mindset where people tend to start to think, oh, well, of course I can't do that hike anymore, of course I can't do this because I'm getting older yeah. and it and it sort of feels like a one-way street mm-hmm. I yes. think where yes. where if you don't even have hope or understanding that mm-hmm. that can be shifted because one of my questions for you Kathy was which I kind of think we're talking about like so what if we have had this like long-standing pattern in our bodies mm-hmm. where we've taught our bodies we don't really need to move so don't put energy there do you feel like it's ever too late to improve people's mobility in their bodies? It's never too late. Um, while it will it be reduced, probably if we're dealing with issues, right? So as a result of being like this, this comes forward, breathing becomes more shallow. You could get a first rib out. This the pec minor pulls you more forward to enhance this posture. Right. Your neck comes out more forward. All of these things start to shift. To accommodate this posture. Talking so, about this like leaning forward yes, over your thing, keyboard yes. or over your phone while yes, you're checking yes. social media exactly. or whatever you're doing so in this posture. So right? posture and you're doing it seven days, seven hours a day, five days a week, whatever. And then you go and sit in front of the TV, which is the same posture. And so um, if we can start to create and open up the fascia, we can help create a little bit more movement and it's all baby steps and it's all relative to what the client needs at the time to build on it but what happens with it as each time that we build on it the client reports I've got more movement mm-hmm. I'm not wanting to sit like that anymore because we work so hard to not have me have that kind of posture so they start being more proactive in what they want to accomplish and they're realizing that in order to have functional movement in day-to-day life, they need to contribute 
to improving their life because we all, a lot of times people come to us and I have a checklist. The doctor told me to get a trainer or I needed to exercise. So, bing, I've done that. I need to go on a diet. Well, I'm not going to do that, so I'll do this. So, you, you, a lot of people go by what the doctor's telling them. Right. And the thing is, it's, it's a bigger scope than what the doctor says. Because part of it has to be, I mean, it's great mm -hmm. to spend an hour with each one of you because I've right. done it and it's fantastic. But at the end of the day, I will spend, I'm not great at math, so I'm not going to try and come up with it. But the right. other number of hours in a week, yeah. Yeah. not with you, right. by myself at home. Yes. And that really, that's going to drive my experience in my body more than that one hour will Thank drive you. my yes. experience. We're just trying to interrupt that long-held pattern yes. and then make sure you have the tools to keep progressing on your own. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not about, you know, it's about empowering them. You yes. know, I know it's cliche being the business name, but it's true. I mean, that's our objective to interrupt that pattern, whether it's very small motion, whether it's just holding space for someone, whether it's just proving to them they can do one pain-free rep. Yes. So it's not an immovable object, you know? Yes. And then it, the, the onus becomes on us uh, as the client to, um, uh, take to take responsibility, yeah. 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 Some people don't want to take responsibility. Well, because it's hard. Because it's effort. Yeah. It's effort. It's, it's effort. And, and you have yeah. to face stuff. You're not necessarily wanting to face. Well, that, that, that was going to be something that I was interested in. Mm -hmm. One of my next questions was about... Before I ask about mindfulness, actually, I was interested in saying, um, I would imagine because of the work I do with clients, mm -hmm. I know, and you know, we we have a different focus, we mm -hmm. have different areas that we're working on. Mm -hmm. But something that I notice is that people are often really disconnected from their bodies. Mm -hmm. For example, they may say, "I'm feeling sadness," and I'm. I'm, I'm like feeling sadness because I'm like, there's an emotion coming up. Mm -hmm. What are you feeling? Yeah. I'm feeling sadness. Mm -hmm. And so we'll acknowledge and validate that. And then I'll invite them to consider where do you feel sadness in your body? Yeah. And I can tell they've never considered that right. before. Right. But there are sensations that go along with emotions, mm -hmm. right? We may feel it in our chest or our face, mm -hmm. you know, whatever that is. Right. And so it's so interesting because it's like a skill Yes. that a lot of us never learned as children to really right. like notice that. Mm -hmm. So is that something that you guys notice when you're doing your work with clients mm -hmm. that people have these like common patterns of maybe being connected or not connected to their bodies? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, they are wildly disconnected usually or too connected to that one area, you know? Right. Interesting. Yes. You know, um, it's very true. I'll tell a, uh, brief anecdote if we have the time um, yep. first time when I was just a trainer I uh, was experienced um, this concept of tissue memory how you know we store emotions and memories in our body and so I was I you know this my full of hubris you know mid-20s stage where I had a co-worker <laughs> who saw I was having great results with some you know unconventional methods and he said can you help me <laughs> of course I can Yes. I know everything. I'm 26. <laughs> you know? And uh, so I, I had the gentleman. I, I didn't do a thorough job because it was my coworker. And, you know, if I'm being honest, you know, I didn't take a big history like I would with a real client. Because I was like, I can help this guy in five minutes and be on with my day. So I have him stand in front of me. And I have him stand and make a circle with his ankle. Because we're trying to mobilize some joints in his ankle, get some flow to the nerves that innervate him. And I'm watching him and I notice him blanch. And I'm like, are you okay? And he goes and throws up from making a circle with his ankle. 
And, you know, I've been traveling all over the country because, you know, learning from the best in this and the best in that. And when he comes back from the bathroom, I say, let's do something with the other leg because I have no idea what to do. And so then uh, with the other leg, I have him do a different lower leg mobilization where, like, when you roll your ankle and you, you step off a curb and you roll your ankle, we're trying to target a specific joint when done intentionally. Okay. And I notice him blanch again. He goes and throws up again from making a little movement of his ankle, rolling out onto the side of his foot. And what I didn't know going in, because I hadn't done a thorough job of uh, understanding him, you know, in my youthful ignorance, was that he'd wanted to be a Navy SEAL. And he'd made it through Hell Week, so he had a week left in Buds. And then he broke both of his tibia. And this was 15 or 20 years later. And he had just compounded that trauma with... Patterns upon patterns, you know, he became a bodybuilder and he had this awful squat where that just built his muscles up but just avoided stressing that scar tissue on, you know, I think it was an intentional thought on his point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when we made him intentionally move an area of his body where he has no conscious control to bring why I'm bringing the story up, it just flooded his system, you know. And he did not know how to deal with that. I didn't at the time either because, as Kathy was saying, when we work with people, the times when we know, have no idea what to do is what makes us grow the most, too. True. Um, but so it's, while that's an extreme story just with you know, gruesome visuals, we see a, a low-level version of this all the time. People don't even know the traumas in their tissue. Or they're like, I had the, like she said, like Kathy said, I had the damnedest thing come up. Or I forgot all about this, you know? Right. It's like uh, the TV show Dr. House used to always say the patient lies. They don't necessarily lie. They just don't know until they... Uh, contact that part of themselves that they have no connection to anymore. It's repressed. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's survival. It's yeah. the body protecting itself. It's what it does. A hundred percent. Because the body does what it can to protect us from pain and whatever we're mm-hmm. experiencing. But it's almost like, I think one of the things that's interesting in the work that I've done is that I recognize that people don't recognize their own capability and they don't realize that it's okay and it's safe to feel what your body's telling you. Mm -hmm. And that is like, again, with this empowering, right? Mm -hmm. Like how you're empowering Mm -hmm. people to like kind of claim their bodies and to understand what they're capable of Mm -hmm. and to like maximize that Mm -hmm. for them. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like in some ways that's part of the work that I do too differently, but to like really empower people Mm -hmm. to recognize that they are capable of feeling what needs to be felt so it can be healed. But, but, but until we do it, until someone guides us through it, we kind of worry that maybe we're not. Right, right, exactly, because yeah. we, we all need intervention at some point in our lives to help us with our bodies, to help with what we're dealing with mentally, emotionally. We all It always helps to have intervention at some point, but most of us look at it, I don't need help, I don't need help. And um, it's like when we had that class the other day, I'd like you to, I invite you to, when someone offers you help, you accept Mm-hmm. and it's you should why not and that it's not a failure it's yeah. such an interesting thing right. in our culture maybe right. that like when we have to reach out for help mm-hmm. it's like oh I couldn't do it on my own so right. be- because I failed and I'm not strong or capable enough right. Right. I had to go and like get help or resources right. when really I don't think that's how it works at all no. I don't think most of humanity was designed to be done no. Without the assistance of others. Without community. Right. Right? Because it is community. 
a hundred percent. And that that's actually like, to me, I think when people come in to see me, I think it's incredibly strong and brave. I I actually don't think it's weakness. I think it's bravery to like step into new growth. And even, I know it sounds probably a little bit cliche, but I really have felt the difference when I've worked with each one of you feeling like I do feel that increase of like space in my body. Like that I like have claimed more of my body or something. It's yeah. really interesting yeah. to experience that. Um, I just think that people go in with the thought process when you have someone talk about stretch. Oh, I can stretch myself. Well, first of all, do you? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, I can do that. Well, sure, all of us could do something. I could repaint a room. Do I want to? No. <laughs> I want to hire someone to do it. And have I been thinking about it for five years and still yes. not done it? Of right. course. Right. <laughs> yeah. I could hire an organizer to get me organized too. Right? So there's all of those things. And um, I, what Mike and I always like to profess to clients is that we're not here for you forever. We don't, we're not supposed to be. We are part of your journey, whatever that is. If you want to retain my services for the rest of your life, that's fine. There are people that say that. If that happens that's whatever. However, we educate people, we help them get space, we help them feel the changes in their body, facilitate what they need, and then we let them go upon their journey because we're only in we're only a part of it for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. They're at the ones that have to go experience their life. They're the ones that have to go out and deal with what they have to deal with. If they want to come back to us because they know that we've created a safe space in training, that we've created a safe space for um, doing craniosacral or Reiki or massage or fascial stretch, they know that we're here. And so that's that's the best thing, knowing that you have that cushion, right? It's the best thing to know when you, well, you know what, I'm going home and there's nothing better than going home and seeing my folks if you have that kind of relationship with your folks, right? Sure. Or you have a, you know, there's just that coming home feeling. And like you said, with your husband, it's coming home. And so for us, people, when they come back to us, oh, I, I feel good to be back, mm-hmm. you know, because we're coming home. Because between the two of us, they know that that's what we're giving them. It's like there's this big cocoon of love that's coming and we welcome them back. Yeah. And so I think that's the biggest thing that our clients take away from it. I mean, they love what we help them with, but I think it's really that knowing that they're safe with us. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing. Well, and we always, I completely agree. One of the things I always tell people, and I mean it sincerely, when something unexpected or um, happens, like they process something, they deal with something, something spontaneously lets go, mm-hmm. we, we thank them sincerely because it doesn't happen without trust. That's you right. Know? It's entirely, you know, thank you for trusting me, a stranger, yes. with holding that space for you. Yeah. And allowing me to be witness to what you're processing, what you're dealing with, you know, because it, it cannot happen without trust. So that is the number one thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So if something, um, as, as much as we'd love everyone to walk in and have that N equals one experience where they're, oh my God, my life is transformed after this first session. That's pretty rare. And it's not the goal. The goal is to meet you where you're at. And like, she, like Kathy said, provide you with love, with space, let you do what you need to do in this moment. So I had this thought as you guys were sharing that, talking about this coming home concept and creating this safe kind of environment for people to heal, mm-hmm. that I, I, I just had this thought that I wonder if part of the work that we both do is helping people to like come home to their bodies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 
there was just like a beautiful visual to me that like we weren't born being disconnected and not Not feeling at home in our bodies, you know, that like over time, all of our experiences, it kind of seems universal Mm -hmm. if we don't intentionally like bring it back to coming home to feeling at home in our bodies. Exactly. I heard in a course I took one time, I, uh, take me a minute to remember which instructor said it because you know we're continuing education junkies. But this, uh, the lady said that when we're born, imagine we are analogous to the clear blue sky. You know we are perfect, radiant, and over time life happens. Clouds float by. The, you know the sky darkens, and the the worst thing that happens is when we become we begin to identify as the clouds rather than the you know mm. rather than the blue sky that we are. I love that so much. I love that so much. That is so, because I feel like the work that we do, a lot of it is just helping people recognize that those clouds that, which I call it kind of the debris, just our Mm -hmm. experience, Mm -hmm. we're clearing that out so that you can connect to what's already there. Because what's already there inside of each one of us, inside of Mm -hmm. all of our clients and Mm -hmm. each one of all of us at this table right now is that clear blue sky. Exactly. It's there and it doesn't get damaged by the clouds. Exactly. Which I think is phenomenal. Like right. like that's probably my most exciting part of the work that I do mm-hmm. is helping people to like reconnect with that. Oh. Yes. So I'm curious and this is gonna go back a minute because <laughs> connecting to this concept of mindfulness. And maybe when people think about healing their body physically, they don't necessarily think about mindfulness, right? A lot of movement and motion. And maybe for some people, they think of mindfulness as being very still and silent. Um, How do you guys think mindfulness connects to the work that you do? Or does it connect to the work that you do? I think for training, I think that being mindful in your movement contributes tremendously. Because we go through life not thinking about breath. We go through life not thinking about our movement. We take it for granted, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the minute we get an injury, we realize, oh my gosh, I can't use my thumb. It's immobilized. Or I broke my wrist and I'm right-handed. And you start thinking about this. You become more mindful about something you took for granted. And for instance, this morning, I was working with a client um, going back to some basic ABC movements for shoulder work and taking out my skeleton and showing how the humerus is actually supposed to rotate in the ball and socket. Mm. Their mind is blown because we don't think about it like that. So giving people visuals takes them back into, oh, and then this is the way the muscles are making this happen because there's little guys back there that are your muscles that are pulling this and doing that. And they're, they're, if they're not, if things aren't anchored correctly, those muscles aren't working. These other muscles are doing the work and all types of So being mindful and deliberate about movements helps you reduce pain, reduce injury. And when you start to add load by lifting lighter weights or whatever it could be, depending on the client, the movement is still improved. They still have that baseline of a better foundation because they're being mindful. You don't have to have heavy weights. I tell my clients, we don't have to have heavy weights. That's not the point of this movement. The point of the movement is being deliberate. Being deliberate is being mindful. Mm-hmm. They're not used to having to think about all of it. You know, everything you've given me like 10,000 
things I need to think about. Because we don't think about anything. So let's just focus on three things I gave you. Three is too much. Let's focus on one. And let's build on that because it's layering the blocks, right? So being mindful is a huge part of training. I mean, Kathy, Kathy hit the nail on the head being, you know, Kathy's one of the best people I've ever met at making a movement so manageable and small that you can't help but succeed. You know, if making a circle with a joint is too much, let's just try making the cardinal directions and connecting them. That's too much. Let's make it smaller and just try and move it two inches, you know, making you aware of what you're capable of. Mm-hmm. And I think all that ties in that uh, discussion of mindfulness with that lack of connection with their body. We've been talking about um, explicitly and implicitly this whole conversation, you know, the lack of interoception by doing something um, mindfully, doing something novel potentially, or just doing something differently are all three powerful tools to start to reconnect with your body. Okay, tell me those three again, because I think we need to hear them again. Well, I, I was speaking extemporaneously. Let's see. It, it just speaking, rolled off the top of your death. head. Uh, let's see. It was uh, moving uh, mindfully, you know, uh, intentionally, mm-hmm. with uh, novelly, you know, so something different. Okay. <laughs> well, but just luckily, we could just rewind it. And right. yeah. it again. <laughs> I just thought that that was really important to recognize that yeah. there's more than one way to mm-hmm. be intentional or yes. to be like in the moment with your body. Mm-hmm. I really thought like this concept because some of the people I know who have experienced a lot of trauma have a lot of trouble with this concept of mindfulness when it has to be sitting still yes, mm-hmm. in yeah. silence. And I love kind of this expansion mm-hmm. that we can practice mindfulness, which I think is so important mm-hmm. for our well-being overall, physically right. and mentally and emotionally, but that we can do it with movement if that feels more comfortable to our nervous system. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, on the topic you're talking about is aging inevitable, right? You know, people when they just repetitively, I mean, things become, you know, we do something repeatedly, then it becomes habitual, then it becomes the opposite of mindful. We just do it on autopilot. Mm-hmm. And we move a certain way. We And I've found over the years that as we move less and our world contracts like we were talking about, I've found a concurrent uh, process in our mind. Our mindset gets more fixed and our mm-hmm. ability to get out of that loop. That's why, like Kathy said, we need intervention or, you know, like you said, that we need to give people resources the lack of movement, the lack of fluid mental processes just contract the world in all ways. You can almost physically see it with some people. It doesn't have to be older people. Sometimes just people who yes. do a lot. It's just like you can almost physically see the edges of their boundary in their world. And it's, 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 it's heartbreaking because someone just, you know, if they, when it's time for them to do that, helping them see how many different ways there are to help themselves. Yes. Um, Which is something that I love about how curious both of you have been with the modalities that you've like explored and incorporated, because I think everyone's path to like finding healing and balance in their bodies is so unique. Mm-hmm. And I like it's obvious that you guys are like I'm preaching to the ultimate choir on that <laughs> one because you guys like see that probably in yeah. your day to day practice yeah. that everyone is unique. Yeah. And if one type of movement hasn't worked for you. All that means is that one movement didn't work at that time in your life. Yeah. Just learning something. That yeah. there's that there's other things yeah. that may help and that may mm-hmm. work, right? Yeah. Exactly. Like I think exactly. I think that's pretty exciting. 
Okay, what is something, and you guys can paper, rock, scissor for who goes first, or, or <laughs> whoever has a thought first about it. What is something that you guys wish everyone understood? Like, if you could magically have everyone understand something, what do you think that would be that you're like, here is something that I wish everybody just understood? I know, it's a big one, right? <laughs> it's a big question. Um, I just think that, and I mentioned it before, is that if you were not going to seek out any intervention of anything, movement is key to life. It's, it's helpful for your brain. It's helpful to be outside, take in fresh air, to see the sun. Um, living in a confined situation like people have been in those last couple of years, right. it leads to depression. It leads to a closed-minded type of situation if you're not having stimulation. And I'm not talking about having social media or being on the computer. Just getting connected to life outside, appreciating what's around you. And I don't think that people uh, don't appreciate enough of what's around them and don't appreciate who they are. Mm. And, And getting connected just for themselves I think that sometimes the most powerful times are just when you're sitting outside and you close your eyes and Mm -hmm. you think, you hear those birds? Oh my God, how wonderful this is. And I've been neglecting it for so long, you know? There's so much beauty around us that we take for granted that we don't even notice in our day-to-day lives. So to me, movement is key. Take a moment to look at your surroundings and be grateful because you, no matter what your limitations are, there's always room for improvement and there's there's people out there to help you and you all it takes is the first step and that's the person doing it. I love that. It's like a different kind of grounding. Like I spoke about how when I give my husband a hug, right, that I can feel that centering in my body. Mm -hmm. I feel like when I notice, so Kimberly Johnson um, has this concept that I have loved, or she just, she didn't invent the concept, but she has a way of describing it, Mm -hmm. where she says, I want for you to just notice, and she calls it blue, which are like those moments, right? Like I'm I'm outside and I heard the birds chirping, or here in Arizona, we're so lucky because we have beautiful sunsets so often. Whatever it is that you're just going about your life, Mm -hmm. and when you have that moment, you're not um, creating it, you're noticing it when it happens. Right. And that to like stretch that moment a little. So like you pause and you see the sunset. What if you just give yourself permission to stretch that for a minute and just sit in it and like recognize the beauty in it. And that is like so manageable. Mm -hmm. And I feel like movement can be the same way Mm -hmm. to just like, like recognize what does feel good and just do that a little more. Right. Stretch that a little more. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mike, any thoughts for us? (laughs) I know it's really hard to follow. That is a tough. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's like I touched on. I think without saying it is, which people just stay curious. You know, we try something and it doesn't go well, and oh, I guess it's not for me. You know, and it, if you don't, if you don't, in <laughs> the lack of embodiment we have, tends to close off the potential successful outcomes because we weren't at a place where we could um, appreciate it. You know, if, you know, one of the things that we see with uh, any sort of body work is that if people have a lack of awareness, they, 
you know, they're used to either having hyper-awareness in an area or no awareness. That it's a, instead of that graded scale where I'm lightly aware of this part, I can feel it if I want, and they have an intervention done of some sort, and uh, it's a good experience, they can't define it because it's in that spectrum which they have no awareness of, then usually people default to, well, it must be pain because I'm feeling something because they mm. don't know anything but nothing or pain. This must be bad. This must yeah. be bad. This must be not good to feel, so I need to avoid feeling. Yeah. Right. So Interesting. Stay curious yeah. that there are other things besides the experience that you've currently had. Interesting. So maybe we haven't experienced all that life has to offer yet. Uh, yeah. I sure a, hope so. <laughs> I, right? I mean, I find that that's true all, all the, the time. time. I love that. Okay, I thank you so much thank you. For, thank you. For, for, for carving out time to be here with us today. I know our listeners are going to want to get connected with you, so how can they find you? You can either Google us, Empowering Bodies Wellness, or you can go to our website, empoweringbodieswellness.com. Okay, I love that. So before we close, is there anything else you guys would like to say that I wasn't wise enough to ask the question that would give you the space to say it? No. No. This has been amazing. I'm so excited for our listeners to connect to the wisdom that both of you have to share. So thank you thank so you, much. Thank you, Michelle. We appreciate it. If you have enjoyed this conversation, don't forget to follow, rate, and review so others can find us. Thank you, listeners, for joining us on MindWell today. We are sponsored by Trauma Integration, LLC, a company passionate about helping people understand their trauma response, and find wholeness within. You can find out more at www.integratetrauma.com.